welcome to the Chapman CG Podcast, inspiring and informative conversations with top HR leaders from around the world. Every HR leader knows that the salary review and bonus season is a hectic time for an organization. For business leaders, it means deciding who gets bonuses and pay increases and who doesn't. More and more organizations are questioning whether historical performance ratings are the best way to drive and reward performance. But how do you realistically make this change in a global organization? What becomes the link that binds pay to performance? And what message are you sending your employees when you take away the rating system? I'm here today with Alec Bashinsky, Chief Human Resources Officer and also Asia-Pacific Regional Talent Leader at Deloitte to discuss the implications of Deloitte's move away from performance ratings. Thanks for joining us, Alec. Delighted, Matt, and it's a very interesting conversation topic to say the least. Yes, and I think you're a good choice for this. Now, Alex, home for you is Sydney, but today you're in Melbourne. Is that right? That's correct. I've, um, I also sit on our global talent executive, which means four times a year I travel to different locations and meet with our top 15 global talent leaders, and we discuss a whole range of strategies moving forward. Um, Sydney is home, uh, but I'm in Melbourne today. And tell us a little bit about your role with Deloitte um, in the... CHRO role for Australia, and also, I guess, your double hat position, the uh, the talent leader for, for, for Asia Pacific. Okay, so look, I look after the, I guess, like many um, talent leaders, look after the, the, the uh, talent, I'll start again. I, like many of um, the talent leaders in organisations, are responsible for the people component of our business. I'm responsible for about 6,500 employees here in Australia. I have a team of about 80 um, across Australia in, in my HR team. My Asia-Pac uh, role encompasses building a strategy out for our Asia-Pacific region. Um, we have some very large firms such as China and Japan, some smaller practices from Vietnam to Malaysia to Singapore, etc. The Asia-Pacific region, uh, like for many um, organisations, is our fastest growing um, region and we need to pay more attention to the strategies we're building for two reasons. One, to build some consistency and two, to ensure that we're enabled uh, to grow our business and have the talent that we need in that journey. So tell us, like, what was the impetus behind the decision to get rid of performance ratings at Deloitte? Look, um, again, twofold. The first uh, scenario we looked at is that... um, you find organisations, again, adopt different practices and customs. For us, we, like Cisco and many others, adopted the, the GE methodology of a rating system of distribution curves of moving you know, the bottom percentile out of the business, etc. And we really started to get feedback from our people that the performance management system was not working for them. It lacked transparency in a whole range of things. So the first impetus for us was to have a look at, you know, why we're doing it. And it would be a question that I would say to many of your clients, think about why you are doing performance management. We then went out and did a quick ethnographic survey of our people. Um, I lead the reinventing performance management project for Deloitte globally. And we had seven member firms, including the UK, Canada, US, um, Japan, Netherlands, France and Australia conduct some surveys of our people and of our counselling leaders to find out what they actually thought about it. And it was the response that we got from that that pushed us down a path of saying we need to change this process. 
Very interesting. And tell us more about the reaction to that. Well, I guess that the first thing is whenever you talk about doing a change, the word change in its own right is difficult for a lot of leaders to absorb. So we went down the path of looking at and building a business case as to why we would change and reinvent performance management. And I guess some of the the points here to consider would be firstly think about the hours of time that's invested across an organisation on a process that you could argue is ineffective. That time then equates to potentially millions of dollars across the organisation. Then think about how highly administrative the process is uh, with lots of focus on form filling. Think about, again, in your organisations, the time invested um, in proposing a rating, debating a rating, and then communicating a rating. And the final piece was based around the fact that the process is not transparent, it's competitive, it's hierarchical, and in many, many cases, if not all, it focuses on the weakness of an individual. So the final component here, and I've used this to talk to my business leaders about, is that We'd like to think that 97% of our employees are really, really good employees. It's the 2 to 3% that every organisation has that, you know, struggles with performance and you need to deal with them in, in the appropriate way. But we are putting 97% of our people through a very negative experience. As I said earlier, one with lots of form-filling, time-consuming, lack of transparency and, and poor communications. So it, it was for those reasons that we pushed out the change in what we do. And tell us about, I guess, the link with this change with compensation decisions, or at least how, how this change has influenced how compensation decisions are made. Okay. So in order to do that, Matt, I think if I just very quickly talk about the, the, the simple framework, it's based on four components, and those components drive towards how we make effective compensation decisions. The first component is something that we call check-ins. And these are regular conversations generated by the employee with no technology and no forms. And they could be held weekly, bi-monthly or monthly. And it's a 10 to 15 minute conversation focused on the assignment or the work the individual is doing and how do they maximise their strengths and what assistance we can give them. So they're regular conversations. The next two things we do quarterly. With, a, with the assistance of technology through the Marcus Buckingham Group, we, have, we run pulse surveys, and these are done through an iPhone or an iPad, and the team leader sends out eight questions to each of his or her employees, and that response takes about five minutes. At the same time, once a quarter, the team leader does a performance snapshot of four questions driven again by technology. We also do once a quarter talent reviews. This is where we discuss, you know, high potentials, uh, a particular job level, maybe our talented women, etc. But the way we aggregate the data, all all the information coming from the quarterly pulse surveys and the snapshots is aggregated into a regression analysis. And, you know, once a quarter, if not annually, we look at that data and we can actually see where our employees um, you know, are plotted. We then, because of our regular check-ins, know how they're going anyway, because we're talking with them. And the leader then makes a decision based on that regression analysis and the check-ins as to the promotion capabilities, 
and the compensation issues associated with it. So we are not driving any performance ratings in order to establish um, a remuneration increase. What has been the biggest HR challenge, do you think, with shifting away from the performance ratings? <laughs> it's one, Matt, that is a, um, it's a cultural, if you like, stereotyping change. For many of us, we've been so used to hanging all our decisions off the rating that the rating justifies the overall process. So it's been able to educate our leaders, firstly, to become better coaches, but secondly, to look at that data. And as I mentioned, the data from the snapshots and the surveys, because it's once a quarter and because the conversations are regular, is giving the team leader more informed data to make a decision around promotion. So it's that whole change element of letting go of a rating and moving it forward. For us, in order for this to be successful, we've adopted a number of pilots. Right now, across the world, I have close to 20,000 employees um, piloting various stages of, of this whole framework. In Australia, we stopped doing um, performance ratings for uh, three of our six service lines as of June, and we're now leading into it. But the response has been fantastic. So looking at this evolution of your performance management system, what learnings would you share with other global HR leaders like yourself on, on, on this transition and how can they do it effectively? The first thing I would say, Matt, and, and I have to say that's a really good question because we've had all sorts of debates over probably 18 months while we've been on this journey. The first thing we need to do in order to reinvent the performance management process and get away from ratings is stop thinking about the process with the end in mind. And what I mean by that is that for many of us and even our leaders as we discussed this, they were all thinking about compensation. They're all thinking about the end game. And if you think about compensation as the end game, you then reverse engineer any changes you make. So we really had to get them to park the compensation piece on a shelf somewhere, go through the whole process of why we're doing performance management, look at the new framework and how we were doing it. And once we got that piece right, then we looked at how we would couple that back into compensation. And it was a, it's a really difficult process for a lot of leaders to let go because we've been so hierarchically and, if you like, stereotypically linked to ratings means remuneration that it's such a hard thing for us to change. And that was Alex Pashinsky from Deloitte in Sydney talking about getting it right, paper performance without ratings. For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, follow our podcast series or check us out at chapmancg.com.